The readings from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Now, what does it mean to love others? In English, the word love often has romantic overtones, doesn't it? Or perhaps it you know, describes the love of a family. But in the Bible, that word has a much broader range of meaning, so that here in Luke 6, Jesus can even talk about us loving our enemies. Our enemies, Jesus says here, are those who hate us who, or curse us or want to harm us, verses 27 and 28. Uh, they're the very kinds of people perhaps mentioned back in verse 22. Uh, in verse 29, Jesus says it might be a person who strikes out at you or who always wants to take from you, keeps taking and taking. Or they may be people who just show no gratitude, verse 35, and do a lot of wrong in their lives but Jesus says love them so what on earth does love mean in that context well again Jesus does explain to love here means to do good to them instead of harm that's verse 27 it means to speak blessing towards them instead of curse verse 28 and it means to pray for them instead of insulting them with your words in verse 31, he says, loving our enemies means actually treating them in the same way that we would want to be treated ourselves. And in verse 34, he says it means showing a, a kind of generosity of spirit, even if we don't expect to get the same back in return. That, Jesus says, is what it means to love our enemies. So it's not about mushy feelings. It's about refusing to respond to them with the same hostility as they have shown us, and instead we desire their good, just as you would your friends, or indeed your own self. Now, that is very different, of course, to how we often attempt to think, isn't it? And therefore how the world tends to be. When someone hates us, insults us, or wants to harm us, often our inclination is to reciprocate, to hate them back, so Jesus is calling us here actually to a totally different way of thinking and living. And I don't think we can do it actually without his help. As Jesus says, it's quite easy to love those who love us and to do good to those who do us good. Everyone, he says, knows how to do that. 
But the love that Jesus is speaking of here is much more remarkable and it's much more powerful. And he says it's much more like God. In fact, it flows from God and his love. It's a love that seeks to bless and do good towards our enemies, just the same as towards our friends, to desire their well-being, just as we would those closest to us, no matter how they behave toward us. And if we're honest, we find that really hard to do sometimes. In fact, there might even be a part of us that thinks that's stupid. <coughs> so why on earth would we do it? Well, as I say, it flows from God. And Jesus says here that to love in that very daring, quite remarkable way is actually what love really is as defined by God. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, and then you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful just like your father is merciful. In other words, Jesus says, God is like this. And if we talk of, about love as anything less than what Jesus says here, it is actually, yeah, okay, it may still be love, but it's a sort of toned-down version of it. It's not the life-changing, world-creating, extraordinary love that God continually shows towards us and everyone else. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus gives an example of that. He says, God makes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. And he sends rain both to the righteous and the unrighteous. So this whole thing that Jesus says about us loving our enemies really flows out of our view of God. What God is like and therefore what life in this universe is meant to be like and to be about. God is merciful, Jesus says. God is loving towards all. Those who love him and those who hate him, the good and the evil those who worship him and those who are ungrateful towards him, friends and enemies, God is gracious and loving to them. And actually, if you doubt that, remember, that's why you and I have hope. That's why we as sinners have a saviour, a God who loved us and sent his son so that we won't perish but have eternal life. This love that we're talking about is why God sent his son to save you and me. Now, just to be clear, God's love does not mean that he condones sin or that he excuses it when people behave in that way or that, or that God thinks people should just get, get on with doing whatever they want. Not at all. No, in fact, God's love is the reason he wants to rescue us from sin and evil and the harm that it does. And that's why God does rescue us in his son, Jesus Christ. If he did not love us, God would just hate us, brush us aside, let, not care what's happening. But instead, no, he does love us. He loves the world enough to save it from sin. And so for us then, as followers of this God, to love in the same way, like Jesus says here, means to live actually in the likeness or the image of God. And that's what Genesis said we were created to be. This is what we're meant to be as human beings, created in God's likeness. To be truly human, to be truly alive, is to love one another, to love all people, love even your enemies, meaning seek their good and not their harm. And then Jesus says you'll be living in reflection of God, 
like children of the Most High. So in that sense, this is a question of what kind of lives we want our lives to be. Do we want to just live in the kind of ordinary way of seeing and treating one another? You know, the way of reciprocation, strings attached, always, you know, always in the balance relationships that we've seen so often before and that jostle back and forth. Or do we want to enter into something with Christ that is far more significant and life-bringing and powerful? A kind of love, verse 35, that really does lead to things reminiscent of heaven, Jesus says, like sons doing things reminiscent that resemble their father. In Titus chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of desires and impulses. Now what did he mean by that? Well, he says... We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You know, those relationships just biting at each other. But then he says this, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, to be made new people now, because God poured out his spirit generously upon us through Christ our Savior. In other words, Paul is saying there that what Christ does in us when he saves us from our foolishness and sin is actually turn us into people totally different than we once were. Grace changes us. So Jesus here in Luke's gospel is not just telling us, try and be a bit nicer. He is not saying that. He's, he's asking us who we want to be, who we are, in fact. Do we want to continue to be part of that cycle of tit for tat, you know, back and forth, love and hate, which often keeps the world and, let's be honest, our everyday relationships a bit on edge? Do you know what I mean? You know, on the brink of collapse if somebody steps out of line. Do we want to keep in a, in a world like that or... Do we want to be children of God, living in a kind of freedom that enables us to choose to love anyway, no matter what has happened, and which can therefore bring about new possibilities? Because Jesus says living in that way is to share in the life of God, who himself shows mercy to all, irrespective of our merit or lack of merit. So really, this is a gospel love. Romans 5 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it goes on to say, and if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In other words, God's love is seen in the fact that Jesus died for the world and saved us as human beings even though we were, in a sense, enemies more than friends to God. 1 John 4 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, we didn't, but that he loved us anyway and sent his son as an atonement for our sins. And then it goes on to say, well, if God loves us like this, we also ought to love one another. For if we love one another in this way, John says, 
God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So it's about entering into the very life of God, life as it's meant to be for humanity. I'm so conscious why I'm preaching this. It's so easy for me to say this, isn't it? And, and I'm kind of part of me cringing as I'm saying, because I'm thinking, I'm, this is really, really hard. And I'm very conscious that it's particularly hard when you're right in the thick of it, when somebody really is being out of line with you. It's so difficult. So please don't think that I'm preaching this as if it's some easy thing. As I said earlier, it's one of the most challenging things I think Jesus said to us. And we can't do it without God's help. We really can't. We need his spirit. We need Christ uh, to, to be able to do this. But I want you to notice that there's an initiative to this love Jesus speaks of. What I mean is it's not dependent on anything prior to it. It's not calculated on a chart, all this, that, all they are, our love. It's not based on some other reason, actually, at all. In fact, it breaks what we might expect, this love. Love here is the courage to decide, no, I will not return like for like. I will, Jesus says this love is, is, in a sense, creating something new. It's breaking that predictable, predictable cycle of action and response, reaction and counter-reaction. And instead, we can decide to always want what is best for the enemy, as much as for, we do for our friends, no matter what has happened, to always desire their good, their best. Now, look, we can't stop someone from wanting to be an enemy to us, but we can refuse to be an enemy to them. They may hate us, but we can refuse to hate them in return. They may hurt us, but we can still pray for their well-being instead. To love one's enemies is to refuse to become an enemy to them. Let me say that again. To love your enemies is to refuse to become an enemy towards them and instead to desire their good. So it's a refusal, this love, to exist in that game of us over against them and instead to do something new, pray for them, be a blessing to them, do them good, love them, not in some romantic lovey-dovey sense, you know, not like, oh, aren't they lovely? No, quite frankly, they may not be lovely at all. They may be really irritating and out of order but to love them in this daring sense means refusing to meet hate with hate refusing malice in response refusing to want their downfall even if they want yours and instead to actually want grace to change their life as much as it has mine and so the love Jesus speaks of is as I say the refusal to be an enemy to our enemies even if they have made themselves one towards me in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul put it like this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse them. In fact, he said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't take revenge, he said. Let God worry about that. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In other words, that person who's been nasty to you, if in a couple of weeks' time, actually, they're in a really rough place because something's happened, they've got no food, he says, you know, it'd be easy to think, well, serves you right. But Paul says, no, that one who is your, who's your enemy, if in a month's time you see them in real need, help them, feed them, give them a drink. He says, do not be, this is Romans 12, all of this, 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what a difference that can make. And yes, it is tough. It has to flow from God through his spirit. But when it does, it really is, it's just paradigm shifting. It breaks those cycles that we get trapped in because it's the love of the cross. And like the cross, it allows new possibility. It can heal. It's something of a new creation, I think, sort of bursting into things. And it has great power to change, just like the cross. And yes, it's hard sometimes. Maybe that's why Jesus particularly encourages us to pray for our enemies. Because actually praying for someone who irritates you or annoys you or has actually harmed you, it does help. Force yourself, pray for them. It really does help. And like the cross, this, this love Jesus speaks of does involve us kind of crucifying part of us. You know, crucifying that part of us that wants revenge. Put that to death. Crucify that part of you that wants retaliation and payback and, and actually wants to hate. But in crucifying that and saying instead, like Jesus did on the cross, Father, forgive them. That brings about the possibility of something new. Shall we say a kind of resurrection in those relationships? The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King once said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. In other words, love is more transformative than anything else. And the cross of Christ, of course, is God's great demonstration of that fact. So I say again, love your enemies does not mean we excuse or condone wrongdoing. It does not mean we just say, oh, it's okay to hate and to show malice so that it just carries on and on and on. No, it, that is not okay. And we should not want it to carry on and on and on. This love does not mean that we just let people treat us however they wish and we've just got to let them roll over us with a steamroller. No, love is about transformation. Jesus was very clear, wasn't he, in speaking against sin and against injustice that he saw because it was ruining people's lives. So he spoke against it. But that never changed Jesus's desire to see God's grace save that sinner that he spoke to. No matter who they were or what they had been, Christ loved them. And while we should do whatever we can to end hatred and hostility we must, what we must never do is retaliate. What we must never do is make ourselves an enemy to them. 1 Peter 2 says, when they hurled their insults at Christ, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. I think that's very, you know, he didn't, when he was suffering, he wouldn't say, oh, you're going to be in for it now. There's going to be trouble. He made no threats to harm them. And as his enemies crucified him of course he prayed father forgive them they don't really know what they're doing he prayed for his enemies as they nailed him to the cross he prayed that they would know God's forgiveness even there with nails in his hands the hatred and the evil driven through him Jesus desired the best for his enemies when the New Testament writers contemplated this remarkable thing they came to the realization, of course, that in a sense, we're all enemies of God because we all sin. 
You know, we all have times where we live in ways that go against God. So actually, when we think of Jesus on that cross with nails in his hands, Jesus had to bear those nails for us too, you and me, to save us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us too. And that love that Jesus speaks of here is only possible actually when we begin with that, with the cross. Only by seeing his love for me can I hope to be changed in such a profound way that I begin to show the same kind of love towards others. My knowledge of God's love for me, a sinner, enables me to love those who sin against me, to forgive others their debts, as the Lord's Prayer says, because I understand God has forgiven my debts too. Martin Niemöller once said, it took me a long time to understand that God is not the enemy of my enemies, because God is not even the enemy of God's enemies. Sometimes we wrongly think, don't we, oh, God hates the people I hate. You know, he doesn't. <laughs> he does not. God loves that person you want to hate. And if he didn't love them, who's to say he would love me either? But grace says he desires all to be saved and come to a knowledge of him. And that is a love far more extraordinary and life-changing than the usual back and forth. It is the love of Christ and it saves us. Let me just read, I'm just going to close, but just read a few words that Tom Wright has written about this passage. He says, these instructions have a fresh spring-like quality, like flowers growing through concrete and startling everyone with their colour and vigour. But are they possible? Well, yes and no. Jesus's point was not to provide his followers with a new rule book, a list of do's and don'ts that you can tick off one by one and sit back satisfied at the end of a successful moral day. No, the point was to illustrate an attitude of heart, a lightness of spirit in the face of all that the world can throw at you. And at the center of it is the thing that motivates and gives color to it all. You are to be like this because that's what God is like. God is generous to all people, generous in the eyes of the stingy to a fault. He provides good things for all to enjoy, the undeserving as well as the deserving. God is astonishingly merciful. Anyone who knows their own heart truly and still goes on experiencing God's grace and love will agree with that. So how can we, his forgiven children, be any less? Only when people discover that this is the sort of God they're dealing with, will they then have any chance of making this way of life their own. In fact, he says, this list of instructions is all about which God you believe in and about the way of life that follows as a result. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you only do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend from those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners because they're expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, 
and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the bad. So be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Amen.